and with great judgments. And what we see, that word redeem here, we look at relationship. Not only was God hearing their cry, this is what an outstretched, this is what this is showing here, an outstretched arm. This is what it's showing, that God heard the cry. It's revealing here that God heard them. It's revealing that God comes to us. Think about that. Right? God comes to us. He descends to us. He comes down to us. If you're out in the ocean, and, and I saw in the news on the, I forget what, which app I had I was looking at, and it showed a photo of this boat and this massive wave, and it said Coast Guard got somebody off just, just as a massive wave just totally just, just crashed under, you know, just put the boat under and sunk it pretty much. And uh, he got off just in time. If you are out in the middle of the ocean, right? And I saw another article, a guy out 70-some days, 70-some days in a life raft out in the ocean, and he survived. But uh, if you're out there, somebody's going to have to come to you, right? Because if you could get out, you wouldn't need them, right? If you were on shore, you'd be fine. But when you are uh, in bondage, when you are uh, weighed under, when you are held captive, somebody has to come to you. And this is the, what we see here. God came to us. What, what a thought that is, that he came to us. So God is hearing their cry. This is what it means by deliverance. Uh, he's coming to us. He's, he's doing something about it. Right? Some people could come and look at the situation and go, mm, I don't think I can handle this one, and watch the boat motor off to the shore. Oh, that'd be bad, right? And, uh, or whatever the situation is, somebody comes to look at the scenario to help, and they realize, well, I can't, I can't do anything with this. Right? Well, they heard, they came, but they couldn't do. God heard, God came, and God did. And this is what he's telling. He says, says, says to Moses, tell them, I am going to deliver them. I'm going to redeem them. I'm going to have a relationship with them. I'm going to remember them. And he's going to do everything he can. Everything that needs to be done, God will do it. And he'll do it with us as well. Deliverance. Do you realize in our own salvation, God came to us? He was the initiator. The Bible says that we, we listen, we, we didn't care a, a, a lick about God. We, we, didn't, we didn't have a, the least amount of concern of the things of God. You can probably, you should be able to remember a time in your life when, yes, you knew of God and you heard of God. Maybe you grew up around hearing it. But really, you can look back at a time in your life where you weren't that concerned about it. You didn't really, I mean, he was there in your thoughts and mind because, I mean, it's all you heard, right? But then there came a day when you were, uh, when you were awakened by the Spirit of God and, 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 and drawing began and, and conviction began. You are aware of God now, right? Did you do that? No, he did that. Now, the difference between the biblical drawing of God and the unbiblical doctrines of Calvinism is that the Bible says that God draws the world, everybody. Calvinism, God says, they, the Calvinism's God draws only who, a select few. That's unscriptural. But God lights, enlightens everybody. John 1, it says that Jesus is that light that lighteth every man that cometh into the world. That's why you can look at somebody and you can witness to them and you can tell them, you know there's a God. In the depths of your soul, you know there's a God. And they can deny it all they want. A lot of them don't. But you can deny it. They can deny it all they want. But it's a fact. And they know it's a fact. And you and I knew it was a fact. And so God is the initiator. God draws, right? He's the one who draws. He's the one who begins it all. 
in this deliverance that we needed even at salvation. And he came to us and he could actually do something about it. Right. What a, what a joy that is. So here's three areas of, re, of deliverance. Are you ready for this? They've got three R's. Should make it easy. There's, of course, three areas of deliverance are redemption. He bought us back. Amen. Relationship. He didn't just buy us back and say, now get over there and get to work. Right. Tell you what, you're, you'll live in the barn and you'll have your chores out there. And uh, if you need something, just holler, don't come up to the house. Right. No, relationship. And then the third area of deliverance was remembrance. And here with the children of Israel, that remembrance had to do with the covenants of Abraham that he made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We're going to look at that this morning. But here's the thing we've got to remember. This is the hardest thing to remember in the deliverance of God is that, but, but it is, is that no matter how much time uh, there is between the promise of God being given and the realization of the promise, God always keeps his word. I'm telling you, you've been there in the interim waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And it seems like waiting. And, and uh, you know, what it was the Bible saying in the New Testament says, they're, you know, they're going to start saying, where is the promise of his coming? Right. How many people right now have changed their doctrinal position of a pre-tribulational rapture to now a mid-trib or a post-trib? Because, well, he hasn't come yet and they start doubting it. And they just say, well, maybe, maybe we got it wrong. Oh, look at this. It must be a mid-trib or a post-trib. It's like, no, just because he has waited, thankfully, listen, and his waiting is the same grace as his waiting 120 years with the building of the ark to destroy the world. It's the same grace now. Every year that God, it is not, every year that it is not on God's timetable for the Lord Jesus Christ to return is another year of grace, and we should be glad for that. Because many need to be saved still. Many need to come to Christ. And so, uh, but that's, that's our problem, isn't it? The waiting period. We begin to think, well, he's not going to do it. Well, he said no. Well, maybe this. Well, maybe that. Remember what I told you? Faith is measured in what? Distance. Length. Not in quantity or weight. Right? They died with faith. They died in faith. They lived their whole lives. Do you realize every Old Testament prophet died believing there was a coming redeemer. There was a, there was a Shiloh was coming. The Messiah was coming. They died believing, knowing, it even says knowing that in Hebrews 11, that it wasn't even going to come to pass in their lifetime. But they still died believing even after I'm dead. God's still going to do it, just not now. That's faith their entire life. So we're looking this morning at deliverance by an outstretched arm. And again, we, we, we looked at uh, redemption, right? The three areas of de- deliverance. He has redeemed us. He has redeemed us. And uh, I'd like to look today at a relationship. At a relationship. He has redeemed us uh, for a relationship. And... Uh, If you look at all the religions of the world, God is the only God who loves back. He's the only one who loves, who is, he calls, says he is love, but he's the only one who loves back. Any of the gods of this world, the man-made gods of this world, who say they love, they're only, they're only borrowing that and stealing that from the God who is love. Right. And so our God loves back. 
back. Strangely enough, he wants a relationship with his creation. I mean, of all of his creation, right, he, he formed us with his hands and he breathed into us the breath of life, that Hebrew word nefesh. He, and he said, and, and we were made a living soul. And we are made after his likeness and image. Why? So we could, uh, with personality and ability to have relationship with him. Do you realize we can have a relationship with an animal, but it's limited. You can have a relationship, I don't know why people do, with snakes, right? But it's limited, right? It's limited to drop the rat in and shut it real quick and walk away, right? And so it doesn't bite you. I go, that's a great relationship, isn't it? Isn't that fun? And uh, now it was fun watching my friend's a Burmese python squeezed the eyeballs so they popped out of the rat and then eat the thing. That was really cool to watch. I like that. But, I mean, but, but you watched it in, through the tank, right? You weren't in there with it petting it. You're like, hey, buddy. It'd be like, ah, you know. It's like, you know, you know. No, God, wait, God, watch, God created you for a relationship with himself. Yeah. He gave us a spirit. What, what is this, what, why did he give us the spirit? So we could commune with him. God is spirit. And those that worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So God put within us a spirit to commune with him, to relate with him, to have a fellowship and a relationship with him. But the problem is, you know what happened when Adam sinned, when Eve sinned, that spirit died. And the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. The spirit died. The, the, the body began to die. And uh, we are born without the ability to have that relationship with God that he ever intended. Right? So many people, they, and it was funny, have you noticed, all of mankind seeks to, seeks to fill that? They, 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 we, have, we are relational beings, they seek to fill that. And uh, unfortunately, so many of them uh, uh, fulfill that with the created more than the creator, right? Have you, have you ever noticed how personified animals are nowadays? I mean, I talk to my dog like he's, like he's real, you know, and he talks right back to me, right? He's a punk, he's an idiot. And uh, he has all sorts of things. And I, some, days, some days I'm like, oh, this isn't good. This is just not good. But have you ever noticed how many people bring animals into stores now? It's like they're all over the place. It's like it's a dog. It's a rat. It's a cat. I mean, whatever it is, it's like it's an animal. But, boy, I mean, it's trucking around with them. It's in their little cart and, and this and that. And they, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, the, the more we have moved away from a relationship with God, the creator, the more people move to a relationship with the created. But it proves to you, it proves that there is that inbuilt need in us to have relationship with something. It's God. And you know what half, most of the world says? No, I don't want that. I'll fill it with something else. Well, it never satisfies, right? It never works. We have been built, we've been built, with, for, for, we've been built for relationship. And God made us that way. And... Uh, and it's, and it's a wonderful thought to think that God would want to have a relationship with us. I was, Mike and I spent some time just chatting yesterday, and I thought, you know, could you imagine looking at a, a big terrarium full of cockroaches and just thinking, yeah, I love them. <laughs> I, may, I made my cockroaches to, so we could communicate and just enjoy each other. And how many would enjoy a cockroach? Your cat might eating it, yeah. That might be the extent of it, yeah. But uh, there's not much. There's not much enjoyable. But can I tell you, the spans between us and God is much farther between us and a cockroach. I mean, we're still all created by God. We're still, you know, all, you know, they're spoken into existence. We are formed of the dust of the earth that He spoke into existence. But there is a a vast chasm between us and God. But He made us 
to have a relationship with himself. And so when God planned to redeem Israel, his purpose wasn't only physical freedom, right? It wasn't only um, uh, being released from the grips of this Egyptian government. Though that included it, that wasn't all of it. A deeper purpose for his plan of redemption was to have a relationship with his chosen people. He wanted to be their God. Remember when, when um, we talked about, the, boy, this came up last week and it's going to come up again, but remember when uh, uh, Ruth said to her mother-in-law, Naomi, your God will be my God and my, your people will be my people. And I, you know, I will die where you die. I'll be buried where you're buried, in the land that you're buried. What was she saying? It was a relationship that she was, was, was uh, putting herself into. I am going to, I, we are going to be uh, relationally on the same, le- on the same plane. And so the deeper purpose for God's plan of redemption was that relationship with his chosen people. Look at verse 7. And I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God, your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. So God wanted his people, chosen in Abraham, to know him, to know him. And that's his desire today, for us to know him. Do you remember the Apostle Paul over in Philippians 3.10, I believe it was? He said, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and, and, and the, uh, the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death. Oh yeah, we like to know the power of his resurrection, but, uh, but the fellowship of his suffering, we kind of, we, we, we kind of draw the line there, right? But did you know there's, there's an aspect of God that we will only know through suffering? Remember Charles Eliot talked about the, the rose, and he said some people's life is a rose, and, and it's beautiful, but, when you, but the fragrance doesn't come out until it's crushed. And he says sometimes God has to crush a life before the fragrance can come out before they get to a place of humility and surrender and yieldedness. And when they get to that place, oh, the fragrance that comes out of that life is incredible. Paul said, I want that. Remember uh, hey, even remember when he prayed three times to be delivered from the thorn of his flesh, and finally God came back and said, no, 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 my grace is sufficient for me, for thee. And, and what did he say? He went on to say, more gladly will I glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He wanted to know God. He wanted to know him. He said, and he understood that the knowing of God came through suffering. What am I saying today? God wants us to know him. Yeah. He doesn't redeem us to a religion. He's redeemed us to a relationship. Yeah. It's a gracious choice. It's a gracious choice. He loved Israel so much, he said, I'll take you. I'll take you. Think about that. Think about that. I want you. The God of heaven wants, and you can also ask this question to yourself, the God of heaven wants me? Yeah, he wanted you. Pretty cool, isn't it? That's a big thought we don't think about sometimes. But he wanted you personally. He wanted you. And it is amazing. Look at verse 7 again. I will take to you, take you to me for a people. You're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. You know, when a, 
when a man and a woman stand before the, the, the preacher and they exchange vows, the groom and the bride, they'll exchange vows and, and it's a promise of everlasting love. And there's a question that goes out there. Uh, do you, so-and-so, take this man to be your lawfully wedded husband? Do you, so-and-so, take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? And the response normally, normally, <laughs> is uh, probably 90%, 90% of the time is I do. Right? I think there's a rare occasion when they go, oh, no, I'm out. <laughs> right? Out the back door, right? Yeah. So <laughs> it happens. So, and um, my wife has thought about it many times in the last 25 years or whatever. So maybe, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Watch a question a question was was posed to the person and the responding answer was a promise of love and commitment it was an i do till death do us part i do i do you know this is a lot of times when i bring people when i'm witnessing to them and they don't understand they've been so mixed up on salvation I say, have you have you been born again? Oh yeah. Well, tell me about it. Well, I was thirteen and I got saved. I got baptized. And then when I was fourteen, I spoke with tongues and I got baptized by the Holy Ghost. And then when I was in, everyone like, oh. And you got to go back and you've got to explain. And one of the things I say is, do you ever remember the day when you got married to Jesus? I mean, isn't that a relationship? Two people stood in that altar. They had, they, they had the, the desire to both go in the same direction. And when one said, do you? And they said, I do. And the other said, do you? And they said, I do. And they, they made a covenant there, a marriage covenant that is a lifelong covenant. And, they, and, and it was a covenant of a relationship. And I, I, I'll say this many times. God already said, I do. And he said it at Calvary. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God God said, I do, right? When did you say, I do? Right? The, the question now is posed to all of humanity. I do. It, why? Because it's a relationship. It is a relationship. And the choice of a relationship between God and his people, it, it is similar to the relationship with the promise of a wedding vow. God said, I choose you. I choose you. Yeah. Deuteronomy 7, 6 and 8. Listen to this. For thou art an holy people, a separated people, unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself. Above all the people that are upon the face of the earth. So does that mean that God didn't love anybody else but Israel? No, God is love. Anybody who comes and in, in passes through the radar, God's radar, is, is, is by default going to be loved by him because he is loved. But there is a special attention placed upon Israel that he could show, you know, have this relationship with them. And as we know, as we know, the, the part of that relationship was for them to be the mouthpiece to the world to teach and to preach the world about God and about the relationship that they could have. Well, they didn't do it, Right. And here we are today as the Gentile church, the church that Jesus built, carrying on what God intended Israel to do, but they never did. But he chose them out, and it was a relationship, and it was a, it was a special one. If we look at verse 7. The Lord did not set his, here it is, listen to this, love. He did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you are more in number than any people. For ye are the fewest of all the people, but because the Lord loved you. And because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, 
hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Wow. See, his compassion and love toward us today, you know, it's the same reason that he chose us. He has chosen the world because he loves us. We're not saved because we're deserving, right? We're not saved because we did anything. We're not by we're Titus... Uh, Titus chapter, I think, 1 verse 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. It wasn't anything that we had done. We're not saved because we're deserving, but uh, because God loved the world is why He gave Jesus, because He loved us. We can't understand that because we're fallen. We understand elements of that, but we can't fully, completely understand it. You might be wondering today, you might be going through your mind today. The circumstances of your life may be bringing up this question in your mind and wondering how on earth you could be worthy of God's love. Can I tell you something this morning? God's love to you, to you is not based upon worthiness or merit. It's based upon because God is love and He loves you. End of story. But, no, don't add anything to that. But I did this, so, so. But I don't do this, and. But I'm good over here, and, so. But I messed up over here, so. I, right? It's not based on merit. It's not based on worthiness. It is based on, his, that, on the fact that God loves. Right? It's proactive love. It's unconditional love. That's why the Bible tells us to cast our care upon him, for he careth for you. Yeah. God wanted a relationship. This is why he delivers, because he wants a relationship. Can anybody think, of, let, me, let me open it up to you here, see if you can throw some verses out that come to your mind. Anybody, anybody know a verse, have a verse that comes to your mind right now that assures you of God's loving choice for a relationship with you. Anybody, can anybody think of a verse that you, you think comes to mind? You can tell me. You can raise your hand. Anybody have a verse? Anybody? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, Jeremiah. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. In that everlasting love, of course, God is eternal. I mean, his love couldn't be anything but eternal because that's who he is, right? And that, that's, a, that's a, a comfort and a joy, right? Anybody else? Micah? Yep. Yeah, amen. Yeah, God so loved. Anybody else? Anybody? Can you have a verse that you go to? Yeah. What about John, 1 John 3, 1? Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Remember in Jesus, we're just going through Matthew and Jesus, and he said, remember what he said? He said, I have compassion on the multitude, for they've been here with me for three days now. He had compassion on them. What about Jesus on the cross? When he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. What about Jesus with Lazarus? And, and the people said, my, how he loved him, Right? Hey, the love of the Lord Jesus Christ was, was evident to those around him. It was an outward thing that people could, could, could see. And uh, God loves. God loves us. And uh, you know what would help you to do? Memorize some more verses on God's view of you.
not for our worth, but because of his love. There was a mother, she was having a hard time with her two little ones, and it was an exceptionally hard day, probably probably two boys, you know, because two boys is only half a boy, right? And three boys is no boy at all. How many know that one? How many know that that principle? That is a that is a principle. If you need work to get done, one boy, that's all boy. All boy. You get two of them, now you only got half a boy working. You put three of them in there together, you don't have a boy at all. They are just all over. They're, they're not there. They're not there. They're entertaining themselves doing something else, right? And she had these two boys, I, and she was really, really having a hard day with them. And uh, she told her husband, he got home at the end of the day, and she said, uh, I think I'm going to sell them. Put them on Marketplace, I'm going to put an ad out, and I'm just going to sell them. And uh, their husband, he said, man, you are, you're crazy. You're crazy. And she goes, why? Because I want to sell the kids? She goes, he said, no, for imagining that anybody would want to buy them. <laughs> yeah. Well, they had no value whatsoever to somebody else, right? Yeah. Aren't you glad we're not chosen for our mer- out, out of merit and our, and our, quote, worth and value? We have worth and value because God set his love on us. That's what gives us our value. Yeah. Exodus 6, 7. Look what he says. He goes on to say, and I will be a God unto you. I will be to you, let me read it correctly, and I will be to you a God. He had a gracious choice. His choice was completely out of grace. He chose us not because of anything we have done, because, but because he set his love and attention on us. So his choice is of grace, but also his care is of grace. I'll be to you a God. He wasn't only promising to remove them out of bondage. Wherever you are in your life, God's desire, whatever bondage you're dealing with right now, whatever uh, difficulty you're dealing with right now, God's desire to, is not only to pull you out of that, but the end goal of that is that your relationship with Him is, is where He wants it to be. It's not just to, you know, it's, it's like, a, uh, you know, ha- having your dog that you, uh, like your neighbor's dog that you really want, okay? They've like, no, I've never done this, okay? This is videoed. I really, I've never done this. But maybe your neighbor has a dog, you're like, that's a really cool dog, I like that. And so you set a trap up, and you trap the thing, and it's trying to gnaw its leg off, and rah, 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 you know, and you find your neighbor's dog that you've always wanted, and you release the poor guy from the trap, and you're like, oh, yeah, poor thing, let's just go home with it, yeah, right? And you didn't release it just to set it free to go, you released it because you wanted it, right? No, God releases us from bondage because he wants, a, he wants that relationship with us, right? He's taking us, you know, Satan still wants us. You know, you know Satan still wants you. Remember what he told Peter? You know, he told he said, uh, Peter, Satan desires to have thee that he may sift you as wheat. He's still trying that. And Jesus says, no, I want him. And what he does, he, he releases us out of bondage, right? Deliverance so he can have a relationship with us. Continual fellowship. And the constant care of his people. This is why God does what he does. Exodus 20, listen to Exodus chapter 20, verse 2 and 3. And I, I am the Lord thy God, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Right? What did he want? Relationship. What, what are other gods signifying? Well, you have another relationship going on there. God says, I don't, I don't want to redeem you so you go off and have a relationship with somebody else. I have redeemed you so you can have a relationship with me. And, and let me say this, it's not, the relationship with God is the best thing we could ever have. 
<laughs> it's not like, okay, I'll settle for this, right? No, it's the best. It's absolutely the best. And so if, if we are going to allow God to be our only God, we've got to make our relationship with Him first place in our life. He's redeemed us. He wants to redeem us for a relationship. We are His gracious choice. We are under His gracious care. And uh, He wants a relationship with us. How many have more than one child? Anybody have more than one child? We have several. Yeah, we have several. Yeah. Have you ever noticed that sometimes it was just easier to help one child over another? I'm not talking about favorites. Right? No. I mean, so there are some that were easier than the other ones. There are some that say, "Hey, can you do this? Sure. Hey, can we can we go here? Yeah, that's fine." Uh, can we, whatever, fill in the blank? Okay. And then the other one was like, hey, no. Do you think, nope? What about no? <laughs> right. Our two daughters told one of our other daughters, you really are not good at asking for anything. <laughs> the other two perfected the batting of the eyes and lowering the voice to a sweet tone and uh, saying please in just the right way. And it's amazing what we walked out of the store with, right? It was incredible. <laughs> While one had nothing, just like moping to the car. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> why, wait, why were some easier to help than the other? It's relationship. Not that you didn't love your other children. You loved every one of them. But the, but the depth of the relationship changed how you were able, watch, able to interact with them. Able to help them, able to be there for them, able to have that communion with them, able to sit around and just talk for hours and just enjoy it, right? Yeah. His relationship. That's what, that's what separates in God's children with himself. There are some that he is easy, it's easy for a relationship with God. Why? They trust him. They want him. They desire to please him. They love back. And it's just simple. There are some that he has to drag the whole way long, and it's just difficult. Yeah. Many are called, few are chosen. That's speaking about service. God would love to use all of his children, but some he just can't. Some he because they, they won't let him. Yeah. If we're truly going to allow God to be our only God, we gotta go. We've got to allow. We have got to make sure that our relationship with Him is first place. What does that mean? Yeah. What's, the, what's the first thing when you wake up in the morning, what's on your mind? Is it God? There is this show some years ago with this family that had like six billion kids. It wasn't the Duggars, it was another family. And, uh, and uh, I saw an episode of it. Not literally six billion kids, but they had a lot of kids, okay. And and uh, and uh, and they were having their prayer time with their kids, and the dad said this. I heard him say this, and he said, he was asking the Lord. I just prayed that you'd be the the last thing on our mind when we go to sleep, and the first thing on our mind when we wake up. That's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Now, some people it's easy to do that because a lot of the sleeping's in church. So, you heard God when you went out, and you heard God when you woke up, and you're like, hey, it's always on my mind, right? <laughs> 
How do you keep them on your mind? Well, it'd be good to wake up. Ask. It'd be good to go to bed. Ask the Lord to help you do that because you want that. It'd be good to get up in the morning and get in your Bible, right, and read about them. It'd be good to talk to them in prayer. You know, I had to. I had to change my schedule around in the morning. My normal patterns. It's they've been messed up for like five years now, and uh, my normal pattern is I make coffee, of course. Right, you got to have that. Sit down and read, and then uh, of course in my our house before our chaos of life started, uh, I had an office, and my office was my chair in the corner. I mean, it was just, everything was set perfectly, and I could finish reading my Bible and I could spend time in prayer, and it was just a great pattern. It's been messed up for five years, seven years. Oh my word! Well, number there's perfection, perfect mess up, and. Uh, and it's been hard to get back into a pattern. Oh, it's been so hard. And I just realized I just had to change my pattern. And my pattern was, I've got to pray first. I'm going to spend time in prayer first, and then I'll read. Because so often, if lately, if I read first, things happen, you know. Uh, things are, you know, just every, everything's awake and moving along now. My wife's up, bouncing all over the house, ready to go. And, and it's like, well, no. <laughs> yeah. She, uh, that's why I get up at three, you know, it's quiet. No. But, no, listen, I, I had to do that because I know I, I needed that and I wanted that. And so I thought, you know, I, I just, I'm missing that time of prayer. I'm missing that. Oh, I pray, don't get me wrong, but this, that getting in your closet prayer, I was missing. And I just had to make some changes. Maybe you need to make some changes. I don't know. I don't know why I said that. But well, the point is a relationship. Don't, don't just go through the religious motions. If you have found yourself in the motions, ask God today, what can I do to change this? What pattern do I need to change? What do I, and for you, it may be something different. For you, it may be, you know, some people are wide awake at 10 o'clock at night. And, uh, you know, my cousin's like, I don't sleep. So if I get up at mid, I get texts from him of all this Bible stuff at like, you know, 104 in the morning. I'm like, well, Chuck's up. So, <laughs> and uh, things like that. Whatever it is for you, what's the point? Building that relationship. Build the relationship. He has a gracious choice. He chose us from His grace. He cares for us. It's all a part of His, of, of his uh, deliverance from bondage. He has delivered us for and redeemed us for a relationship with Himself. Not just to let you go do your own thing, but that you'd have a fulfilling, complete life with Him. That's the point of it. Let's, have, let's, let's allow God to help us to do that if we've gotten out of that. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you that you deliver. Thank you that you care. Thank you that you heard us. Thank you that you came to us. Thank you that you did something about it. We thank you for that. And we thank you for the reminder this morning that you redeem and you call unto yourself, not just to set free that, oh yes, that's a part of it, and you hate it when your people are in bondage. But the end goal is that deeper relationship with thyself. We thank you for your love for us. Would you help us to live a life reciprocal of that love that you have for us? We ask in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we will be back in just a minute. Yikes. Yeah, a minute. No, five, four.